guys, welcome to the More Than Mom podcast. I'm your host, MJ Cash, and your new mom BFF. And guess what? You get me without any awkward playground small talk. On this podcast, we'll be covering everything we possibly can to help you thrive in all of your roles, not just as mother, but as wife, woman, and individual with your own passions and dreams. I hope that you'll choose to continue along this journey with us as we all begin to figure out how to become more than mom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the More Than Mom podcast. We're coming off an incredible week with our episode with Jamie Wilhite. Y'all showed up. Can I tell you that? Y'all showed up in a major, major way. This was the biggest week for us as a podcast. We had so many new downloads, so many people tuning in to hear Jamie's story, and then also going back and listening to all the other episodes that we've released up until this point. And it was so fun for me to see you guys. I just want to say that since we launched, not a single day has gone by that an episode of this podcast has not been listened to. Y'all are showing up. And I love it. You guys are sharing it with your people. You guys are going back and listening to old episodes. And I just am so appreciative of it, guys. It's such a blessing for me to be able to bring you these incredible women and to share them with you and to share their stories with you. And I love that you guys are loving it too. Coming off of Jamie's podcast last week, my CPR class that I have scheduled with her hosting at my house with a bunch of my friends is totally filled up. People are ready to learn life-saving skills. And if you're local to Middle Tennessee as well, you can absolutely reach out to Jamie and schedule the same thing uh, with you and your friends and family. And I know I'm actually contemplating doing one for my family members (laughs) if I can convince them all to join in because they do watch our kids so much. Uh, Hopefully we can get all the extended relatives in there and learning just, you know, the basic skills of CPR and Heimlich an AED, and they can not only save my kids if they need to, they can also save spouses that might be having a medical emergency. So I just think all around, no matter who you are, what age group you have kids in, it doesn't matter, guys. This skill applies to your life. Today on the podcast, I have a wonderful person who I once again met through social media, who has now become a genuine friend. We have daughters right around the same age, so we've already met up for playdates since her interview. But I met her for the first time on my couch, um, not unlike a lot of these guests. Her name is Allie Thayer. She does an incredible job talking through a very sensitive topic that honestly does not get talked about enough. It is a silent killer. It is a silent suffering and It is a huge epidemic. On this episode, Allie is talking about her journey with postpartum depression. And I found Allie because I had heard about the organization that she created after her experience. She's local to Middle Tennessee, so people around here know who she is. And I reached out introducing myself and asking her on the podcast. But to be honest with you, I knew nothing about her story. I knew she had it. I knew she started an organization called PPD Journey, but I knew nothing about her experience of postpartum depression. I didn't know about how severe it was with her, what her experience was with it, nothing. Let me just say that hearing her talk through this journey made me realize just how much of a stigma is behind it. And let me tell you why. (laughs) 
I know the possibilities with postpartum depression. Mothers who suffer severely from it have committed suicide shortly after giving birth when they have infants or toddlers because for one reason or another they fail to reach out to get help or they do and the help that they need is not provided. I knew that the possibilities were there that Allie may have had some extreme symptoms from PPD and yet when she spoke about her thoughts to harm her child, even though I knew the possibility of that was coming in this interview, when she spoke those words, I had a physical reaction inside my body. I mean, like I physically could feel this negative sensation towards the idea of that. And I think the fact that I went into this knowing the possibility and understanding and sympathizing or empathizing with this illness and knowing that it means nothing to the quality of mother that she is today, that instead it is talking about a chemical imbalance and a severe illness that she had postpartum that happens way more often than you think it would. Even though I knew all this was coming, I still physically felt ugh when she said it. And in that moment, I knew exactly the problem behind the stigma of postpartum depression. In fact, Allie's even spoken about it a little bit. In, in sharing her story, she has gotten some responses from strangers online saying that she is not a good mom or that she shouldn't have ever been blessed with a child because obviously she's not up for it. And let me tell you guys, this is the problem right here. The problem is that our society has not embraced postpartum depression as a real illness. It hasn't embraced it in a way that has, has allowed moms to be honest about their symptoms, to come forward with their loved ones or with professionals and say, I am not okay. I need help. And it also has not been accepted enough in our society for the help to even be in place in a mainstream systematic way that it can be provided to them when they ask for it. And Allie will talk through that. And that's part of what her organization is pursuing is changing the healthcare system so that when a mother raises her hand and says, I need help, I am sick. The systems are in place to know how to help her best. Because right now, as you will hear in Allie's story, they are not. And I hope more than anything else that this episode will reach somebody out there who is being silent in their pain right now and give them the courage to raise their hand and say, I need help. I hope that if you're that person in hearing this, you will know that you are not alone. You will know that there is nothing wrong with you. You will know that you are still a good mother. You can hear that you have an illness. It is not your fault that you have this illness. It happens to people postpartum with a slew of unbalanced hormones that happen postpartum. Our bodies change so much chemically, physically, emotionally, 
all of it. And sometimes that results in postpartum depression. And if that's you, the best thing you can do is to throw away the shame and to speak up and to say, I need help. Please help me. The people that you trust in your life, whether it be family members or a spouse or professionals in your community that are counselors or doctors and trained professionals can find you the help that you need to get better because there is hope on the other side of this. And Allie's a testament to that. She is an incredible mom. I've seen her firsthand with her daughter. She's amazing and she loves motherhood and she loves her daughter so much. But that wasn't always her story. I just want to shout out to Allie, honestly, for just being so brave and sharing her whole journey because it's not an easy one to share. And, and with that, I also want to say that Allie, after the fact, talked to me and, and realized that in the course of this interview, you know, Allie's story is unique. Allie is a woman of faith. One thing I talked about in the introduction of the More Than Mom podcast is that I'll never ask someone change their story for this podcast to fit a, a certain narrative. So I let Allie tell her story. And for her, it is absolutely one of, of faith and one of spiritual healing. And that is amazing. But she also wants you to know, and she wanted to make sure that I said this in the intro, knowing that it wasn't covered enough in our talk with each other, is that she wants you to know that there's nothing wrong with medication too. For her, she did not get the healing that she needed or wanted from the medication. She was on it for uh, most of her postpartum journey, but it didn't give the healing and the relief that she was hoping for. And with that said, though, for many women, it does. And that's another thing that can often come with a stigma that really just needs to be wiped away. Because the truth is, yes, for sure, guys, I love natural health. I love natural remedies. There are for sure things that you can do that can help increase the possibility of you feeling better, right? Things like exercise, getting outdoors, eating well, for sure. Those are all there and those all work to an extent. But the fact is, is that sometimes antidepressants can save lives and it should come with zero shame if you are someone who needs to be on them and to take them for your health. And I know personally friends in my life who I met after having my kids that, that dealt with postpartum depression and being on medication was a game changer for them. And they were able to slowly work themselves back to feeling normal again with the use of medication. So both Allie and I want to make sure that that is for sure addressed in this right now so that anyone out there can release any stigma that they have on medication if they feel like they might need it. The last thing I want to say on this prior to jumping into this episode is honestly just my biggest takeaway of it. Allie has since going through this journey herself and starting her organization for others to speak out about their experiences with postpartum depression as well. She has started her journey to to really fix the, the medical system with PPD. And it was really eye-opening to me as she talked through it, some of the things that she uncovered in this process. And I'm not going to say that it's broken everywhere because I don't think that's fair given the fact that she's only talked to local 
practices and local hospitals and local pediatricians and things of that nature that I know of. So it's not like she's getting, she hasn't had the ability to talk to everyone yet, although I'm sure she's going there eventually. But it's really eye-opening that there are practices that when they are met with a mom suffering from postpartum depression, that there's not a clear-cut path of how to help them. And I think that's a major issue that hopefully will get a lot more attention after hearing Allie's story. I also think that it brings up a really interesting point with postpartum doctor's appointments that you know, when you have a baby, you are not going to see your doctor again until six weeks unless you schedule something else. Meanwhile, your baby's getting a checkup every week and then every two weeks and every month, and you're going in a ton of times for them. And I just wonder <laughs> what that says about the oversight of our moms, right? How much our mamas are being overlooked given the fact that they just went through some of the hardest most physically taxing days of their lives and many of them surgery and they're being put on a back burner and they're getting checked six weeks down the road but yet that newborn gets in there week after week after week and I just I just think I think it's great that the newborns are getting in there week after week after week but I think maybe our mamas need a few more checkups in there as well so anyways I'm super excited for you to hear this story. I'm really excited to bring a platform of awareness for postpartum depression. I know many people personally who have suffered from it, and I know there's a lot more out there who are doing so in silence right now. And I hope that if that's you, that you are encouraged to reach out to PPD Journey, to reach out to Allie, or even just to reach out to a trusted family member or friend and just share your experience. Because there's just so much power in that, and I think... One of the most powerful things you can do with your healing is to speak it and to just stop letting it own you. And I think that really is step one. The very last thing I'll say is that <laughs> we recorded this in my living room in the middle of a move at my old house with a brand new puppy, aka Maui, who a lot of you guys absolutely adore on Instagram. And he barks a couple times through it and there was no way for me to edit it out. So... You're just going to have to get through that, stay in, in, in the conversation, stay focused. Don't let Maui throw you off too much. Um, know that he was well taken care of. We put him outside just for this conversation. It was perfectly warm out. He was fine. He just has separation anxiety. Speaking of Maui, if you want to see more of him or anything else about this podcast or our lives, you can always come over to us on Instagram, which is at Mrs. MJ Cash. That's where all the fun stuff happens. That's where we announce episodes, who's on, what they're talking about, when it comes out. You also get to see my adorable children who are the best and um, any other fun things that are happening over on this home front for More Than Moms. So anyways, enjoy this incredible interview with Allie. She is the bomb. I absolutely love her. She's so fun. She's so sweet. You guys are definitely going to get a real honest look into postpartum depression. With that, let's start the episode.
Awesome. Well, let's jump in. So I have Allie Thayer with me today. And Allie, I want to start out just by giving the listeners a little bit of your background and who you are, where you're from, and, and what your life looks like right now. Yeah. So I am a Nashville native, um, one of those unicorns that they talk about. <laughs> yeah, I uh, grew up here and met my husband, and we have been married for three years now. And we have a one-and-a-half-year-old daughter named Ella. And um, as a profession, I'm a hair and makeup artist. I used to be in the salon, but after having Ella, it made more sense for me to go freelance. So now I work on shoots and film and all of that. Oh, great. Do you, so you go on location for that then? It's yes. not at your house? Yeah, not at my house, okay. um, unless I'm doing like a bridal trial or something like that. Um, but yeah, I'm on location a lot. Does that allow you to you and your husband raise her at home or does she go to school? Like what does your schedule look like? Yes. So my husband's also in freelance. He does video okay. work. So it's the beauty of Nashville yes, careers. <laughs> uh, but it makes our life a little bit disorganized, though we have figured out how to work with it. So he watches her when I can't and I watch her when he can't. Yeah. Um, so that that works out really well for us. She is in a Mother's Day Out program, so that's where she's at right now. Perfect. Um, Mine too. Great. So that's amazing. Yes, it's the best thing. So she just goes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. But other than that, she is home with us and we get to raise her. That's there. awesome. Do you and your husband ever see each other or are you just like yes. passing by <laughs> yes. in doorways? Some days we're passing by. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that happens a lot. But we do try to be intentional uh, with our time because our schedules are so irregular. We have to right. make sure that we're really intentional about finding that time and spending it together. Yeah, so. I bet. That's awesome. Yeah. So talk to me then. You said your daughter's one and a half. Is that what you said? Yes. So talk to me about like pregnancy and leading up to birth. Like, Have you always wanted to be a mom? Is this something right. that was like totally in the cards for you? Did you love pregnancy? Did you <sighs> hate so pregnancy? started a journal to my future husband. Wow. Because I knew for some reason in my heart that I was going to be a young wife and potentially a young mom. And I, I had just been praying about that and really since that. And so I started a journal. Well, I met my husband when I was 18. Okay. We were engaged at 19. I got married at 20. I got pregnant at 21 and then had Ella at 22. So, wow. yes, my life has been like total roller coaster and though I kind of expected it to be that way it has been a lot harder than I expected it to be right we were not planning on having Ella when we did so both of us wanted to be parents so For sure. we're very thankful that we weren't those people that were like no we don't want kids yeah. and then we were pregnant yeah because we got pregnant uh just before our one-year wedding anniversary okay so we'd always wanted to be parents just not right at that time <laughs> and so when I found out I was pregnant I cried for like five minutes and then my husband was so excited so we have a six-year age difference okay so he was like kind of ready you know um, and I was like maybe like in two or three years but he was on he was on board with that right but it just worked out that we got pregnant um, and then like I said I cried for like five minutes but then it was totally fine I was excited um, and throughout the whole pregnancy I was excited and we had a very competitive attitude towards the gender like before we found right. out we were like I wanted a girl really bad he wanted a boy really bad so that was really fun going back and forth yeah. with that and so that was fun pregnancy was hard you look up pregnancy symptoms basically every symptom in the book that you can have I oh. had for sure. So also, was... <laughs> so many that no one talks about. Right. I remember in pregnancy, with the first one specifically, I, I'd be like brushing my teeth and my gums would start bleeding. Yes. And I'd be like, what? And I'd Google, 
gum bleeding, pregnancy symptom? Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure enough, like yes. everything, everything yes. that possibly happens to you in that 10 month period, you're like, is this a pregnancy symptom? Yeah. And yes, yes it is, yeah. it always is. Even like sciatic nerve pain. Yes. That, and that settled in like a month or two after I got oh. pregnant, it was so early on. And I had never, you hear of like morning sickness and like maybe not being able to sleep at night. But other than that, I was like in so much pain from my sciatic nerve. Yeah. So I had that, I had like the chronic headaches. But things would come in like sections. So I would have like, I had morning sickness until 17 weeks, but Uh then it was like three weeks of headaches and then that went away. And then it was like three weeks of insomnia and then that went away. And then it was three weeks of rib pain because she was like growing my ribs hurt. So then that went away. So it was really weird. Yeah, like your whole body's hurting at different stages. Yes. That's awesome. So pregnancy, (laughs) it was okay. I did go to 41 weeks with Ella and I was massive. So I was really, really uncomfortable towards the end of it, but. That's really funny. It's It actually sounds like our story is very similar. I always felt like my life went very quickly, which I wanted it to. Right. But now I'm like breathing a little bit and being like, oh, this is nice. Like, yes. let's just be in this for a while. Not like a huge life change every year. Right. Like, because this is we the first were, year. Like, we're chill. Yeah, that's <laughs> us too. Yeah. And you actually were even on a, a faster tra- trajectory than me. I was... I met my husband at 18 as well. He's also six year age gap. Oh, cool. We got engaged when I was 20 and married at 22, had my son at 23. Nice. And then had my daughter at 25. Yes. And now I'm like, whoa, pump the brakes. <laughs> right. Yep. I'm kind of in the same boat. My yeah. husband, he loves kids. If he could have 10 of them, he would. Yeah. And I'm kind of the same way, but also, like, given everything that happened after pregnancy, I'm like, Okay, listen. Yeah, we're gonna just have to chill for a little bit because I can't do it for right sure now. So. so you're you're leading into that. Your birth with Ella was a pretty good birth. Did it go as planned? Was it traumatic? Where on the scale right. are we landing here? Definitely traumatic. Okay. And I hate to say that because it does sound so dramatic, and I'm like, Ugh. it does. But I I am of the belief that it really we need to start owning the fact that you can have trauma without going to war. Right, right. like. PTSD is a real thing here yes. in the States in different things that you go through. Right. And I was like you. I like didn't want to admit it with my first birth, but 100% had it and didn't find out until I got pregnant my second. And then right. all the emotions came in. So and I was like, like I think about, I can, one, I can't look at pictures from like the first eight weeks of her life okay. because I, well, I mean, I can, but I get like physically ill. Like I yeah. just want to throw up because it just brings back everything I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And I think about like, if I were to get pregnant right now, I would not be okay. Right. And I don't want that. Like I want to be excited. I want it to be welcoming, but my birth was horrible with Ella. Small story on that would be, um, I went to 41 weeks with her. My OB had said that my cervix was really unfavorable and she was massive. So when she was born, she was eight pounds, seven ounces. And for my, (laughs) body I'm five one so guys I'm short um, she was just way too big and her head was turned up and on my pelvis so it wasn't actually ever descending down into the birth canal yeah and so we had actually scheduled a c-section because it was looking like it was going to go that way for a Monday but then I went into labor on a Saturday night by myself and so I was really excited because I thought well great maybe I can actually have her vaginally right and so my husband and I went in and things were progressing really, really slowly. I went about seven hours without an epidural, and I was only at like a one and a half centimeter dilated. Whoa. 
And so nothing was progressing. And I was really tired because we went in at 9 p.m. Mm -hmm. And seven hours later, I don't even know what time that makes it. But I was so exhausted. And so I ended up getting the epidural and was able to sleep. And so kind of the rest of the whole thing up until after she was born, I have a hard time remembering. It was kind of like a haze. Mm -hmm. But during labor, I wasn't in any pain, but I was hooked up to every monitor that you could possibly be hooked up to. And I got tachycardic, so that means my heart was racing really, really, really fast, even okay. though you're just lying down, you're not doing anything, which stressed Ella out, and so she became tachycardic. And then I got an intrauterine infection, which they believe came from when they broke my water, so I had a mm. fever that spiked. And so the nurse, Ella started going crazy, like literally trying to claw her way out of my stomach. Wow. And the nurse was like, in all the years I've done this, I've never seen a baby act like this in utero. And the nurse was like, are you doing that to your body? I'm like, no, I'm just laying here. And I mean, it was it was insane. Like something you'd see from a sci-fi movie. Yeah, something. like alien coming out. Yes, yes. So That would terrify me. It was, it was really scary. Um, and I think what scared me the most was when I woke up from taking a small nap and my husband was sitting next to the bed and he was crying. My husband does not cry. And he was so afraid from what the doctors were telling him and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, and he was just praying and he was just beside himself. And so that was really scary for me because here I am and my body's in complete distress and I'm trying to comfort him. Right. And we talk about this all the time. Like if it weren't for modern medicine, neither Eleanor I would have lived. Like yes. we both would have died. Yep. And so, I mean, it, it really was like, thank God for modern medicine. They did end up taking me for a C-section, but I'm very prone to panic attacks and anxiety. And so I had a panic attack on the table and mm. so they put me to sleep for it. Mm -hmm. And I woke up like 13 hours later and they were like, here's your baby. Wow. And I was like, I'm sorry. Why what? 13 hours later? Is I, it, I mean, I that's so crazy. drugged. So drugged. They put me completely under like they would for a surgery or right. anything else. Um, and I had her at 4.39 in the afternoon on Sunday. And so it was like... Monday. Really early Monday morning, like 3 or 4 a.m. And they were bringing her in. And they were like, oh, here's your baby. Wow. And so all of that's really a blur. Um, and they had told me they had already like hooked me up to pump me. And had tried to like wow. latch her. Yeah. But I was completely asleep for all of that. And so when I look back at the time, I... I think I handled it pretty well where I was like, okay, that happened. That was really scary, but it's over. Right. But it set me on a trajectory of just right a lot of pain. Yeah. So that's, wow, what an entry into motherhood. Um, I think for a lot of us, what happens is that flat out, I think birth is the scariest thing for any woman who has like not had it yet. Yes. Um, and for some who have had it yet. Right. But... We don't know how it's going to go. There's no way to prepare. And you put so much focus on it because it's terrifying. Right. And when it goes completely in a direction that you couldn't have imagined, that's a very blunt way to enter motherhood. Right. I had a, a very similar as far as like traumatic, not how we planned, and in the C-section was not good. But I was at least there like I was awake and I had right. that I can't imagine waking up 13 hours later and like being like oh I'm a mom now that's, that's crazy exactly how it was, so. so at this point 
Had you given much thought to postpartum? Um, no. Or is it like all the energy is going into like birth and pregnancy and that? Yep, all of the energy was going into that, and I had never heard of any postpartum illness ever. Yeah. Nobody ever went over that with me. Um, and I didn't educate myself before, and I just didn't think about it. I thought right. I would have the baby go home and life would be great. Right. And Yeah, I think all of us think happened. like birth is the end of like <laughs> right. that chapter yes yeah and yeah. it's not it's it not even the worst part just the beginning. <laughs> right yeah like I would do the birth again yeah <laughs> oh gosh um so talk to me then like we're hitting postpartum how quickly do things go south for you is it just kind of like a constant is there right is it happen all of a sudden yes um let me preface all of this with this okay my postpartum story is unique and everybody has a very unique one right um, and it looks different for everybody but for me my postpartum depression settled in a week postpartum okay so very fast and yeah. women can get postpartum depression up to a year wow um, after the really? baby is born so like you could be totally fine until month eight and then all of a sudden you're thrown into ppd i was thrown in at a week postpartum so mine set in very very early but looking back I think it was because of the way that the birth went right I think I would have gotten it regardless if I had a good birth or not but I think it just added to I mean I didn't bond with Ella I didn't want to look at Ella I didn't want to hold her so I mean I was just immediately thrown into that and I wonder if the birth had gone differently and it would have been like, oh my gosh, I just had a baby. This is amazing. I didn't have that at all. Right. I didn't even remember her being born. So I think that was really hard, but I didn't realize that it was at the time. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's interesting. I I think we all see the way that Hollywood portrays it. You basically take a baby home and then it's like, haha, I have a baby. And it's right. cute and it's snuggly and we love each other. Yes. And I know I have so many images in my mind of, and even not just Hollywood, but also like pictures of other women who have had uh, photographers at their birth, that like the baby's born and there's just like this beautiful moment mm-hmm. with them and the baby. And I also, I'm now two kids in and have not had that with either right. one. One was a C-section and I didn't get it and I thought it was because the hormones didn't release from the baby going through the vaginal canal. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I had a completely natural vaginal birth with my daughter and also did not get it but still wow I don't like either right (laughs) not my favorite just birth in general is not my favorite so um it's it it was a hard thing for me to deal with just realizing like oh I might not get I might not ever have that like euphoric experience with my newborn and it might for me just be like oh at the two week mark which is what it's been for both of mine like at the two week mark I start to feel like this is my baby and not just one they sent me home with right but it took me two weeks to get to that point of being like oh you're mine mm-hmm. okay um, but I didn't I had maybe minor baby blues at the first but I didn't deal with any severe depression or anxiety so right. educate me because I, I don't really know much about it I've had some friends that have dealt with postpartum okay. depression but um, honestly, it wasn't even on my radar until after my first birth, and I started to learn that this was a thing that women go through. Right. I'm kind of with you on that. I had never heard of it. I had never researched it. So also to say, I had never had depression before, ever. Right. I had dealt with generalized anxiety, and there's some contributing factors to that, but not depression and not suicidality and not any of that. Mm-hmm. And so when I started experiencing those things, 
it was very foreign to me and it felt really, really horrible. And I didn't understand what was wrong with me. Right. So, you know, every 80% of women are going to at least have the baby blues. Super mm-hmm. normal. They last for two weeks or less and then you're totally fine. Postpartum depression is when it crosses that two-week threshold and it's inhibiting you from living your daily life and functioning normally, okay. which is where I was at. So for me, I had felt really bad, and my husband and my mom, my mom was staying with us, knew something was wrong, didn't really know how severe. My mom was about to, she lives two hours away from us, so she was about to head back home. My husband was about to be off paternity leave, and I was going to be left alone with Ella. And when that set in, I just started to panic because I was like, I can't be alone with her. I had already had outbursts of like, wanting to throw her or visualizing how could she die and that made me feel calm and relieved instead of panicked and so that's completely unnatural right for a mom to feel and I knew something was wrong with me and so I started googling is it normal to hate your baby (laughs) right you know like what what is wrong with me because you're grasping at straws and I didn't have any friends that I knew of at the time right that had PPD and so I was very confused and so I started googling it and I started reading and I was like oh my gosh this is exactly how I feel yes I'm experiencing all of these symptoms and so that was at um, just under three weeks postpartum and I looked at my mom and I was like you cannot leave like I I can't I can't do this James is not going to be here you can't leave if you do I'm afraid that I will hurt her or kill her and I don't want to do that but that's Right. the urges that I'm having. Right. And so my mom did end up staying and I believe that was a Friday. And so my husband had to go to work on a Saturday. He's a filmmaker, so we work weird hours. Yep. Um so he was gone but my mom ended up staying. Well that Sunday it just completely spiraled and my best friend Lindsay Wilburn is an LMFT and she's the first one that was like, yo <laughs> Like, something is really wrong, and I think it's crossed over into clinical. It's not baby blues. It's not just you're sad. It's you're clinically depressed because I wasn't sleeping. Even when the baby was sleeping, I just I couldn't, and I had quit eating. I didn't want to eat anything. So I got to 149 pounds pregnant with Ella, and I was back down to 117. Three weeks out? Three weeks postpartum because I wasn't eating and I wasn't sleeping. And so that was what triggered Lindsay to going, not only are you sad and saying these things, you're also physically being debilitated by this. So there's something wrong. So um, she talked to James and also my mother-in-law was a school counselor for 20 years. So she had picked up on like, this is something more. And I was actually at their house with Lindsay, with James and with my mother-in-law, Donna. And all of them were like, you've got to go to the ER. We don't know what else to do because I couldn't look at Ella without crying. I didn't want to, I didn't want her to be my reality. Mm-hmm. And motherhood for me at that time felt like it was a problem that was never going to go away. Right. And I felt completely suffocated and trapped. And I was like, dang, I've gotten myself into this mess. And now like for the next 18 years, mm-hmm. it's in my home and I don't want it. Right. And it's again, interesting. I've never thought about it like that because I also haven't known anyone with PPD until after I became a mom Mm -hmm. because they're now like in my circle of friends in my motherhood circle. But I, I struggle to understand depression 
because I've never personally dealt with it. And right. I think a lot of people fall into that boat. Like, until you've dealt with it, it's hard to grasp. Yes. But I know when I look at people who are depressed in their life, you know, a lot of times it obviously is more, it has more to do chemically within you than it does, like, the circumstances around right. you. But you can, those people can look at the circumstances around them and see how everything's bad, right? Mm-hmm. But from an outsider, you can look at those things and be like, but those are all temporary. Like, those are those are all changeable right. things. I've right. never thought about the fact that for, for mothers with PPD, that's not a changeable or or finite thing. Right. You can't say like, oh, I'm not happy with my job. I'm going to get a different one. Right. Or um, my life is not going well right now, but it'll get better. Right. If it is towards your child, you are going to be a mother for the rest of your life. Yeah. And that has to feel, in that mindset, that has to feel so imprisoning. I yes. cannot even imagine. Yeah. And that's where I was at. I, I just remember being like, I wish 18 years would fly by and it would just be done. Wow. I looked at James two weeks postpartum. Ella was laying on our bed screaming, of course. And I was like, never again. Don't even ask <laughs> about having another kid because I can't. This is horrible. I want this one to go away. Right. And... Like I said, every postpartum journey is completely different. And sometimes it's surrounding your spouse Mm -hmm. instead of your child. Sometimes it's surrounding other circumstances in your life and not your child. But for me, it was so geared towards Ella. And she felt like this thing that had come into my life that had completely taken it over. I was never going to have my husband back where it was just me and him. Like, this was it now. And that was terrifying for me at the time despite the fact that I had always wanted to be a mom. So that didn't make sense. What is it like internally, emotionally, mentally, as someone who obviously does not have murderous qualities, you've never (laughs) wanted to kill anyone before, I'm assuming, to all of a sudden feel those things, not just for anyone, but for your own kid? Right. That's probably Um, a really challenging question to actually get into the heart heart of, but I feel like it's really important. Yes. I will probably cry during this because it's hard. That's fine. Um, But with Ella and me feeling that way towards her, I knew. You're good. This is going to help a lot of people. Yeah. I'm sure of it. I've told this story so many times, I feel like I shouldn't cry about it. I knew I was the threat to her life. And so that sent me into suicidality because I knew I had to get rid of myself so that I wouldn't hurt her. And so that was really hard to get to that point. And I'm a believer, I'm a Christian. And so I was like, I was never mad at God during it, but I was asking why. And if I was gonna feel this way towards Ella, I needed him to just take me out and get rid of me because I was having those thoughts and I didn't want to. Right. <laughs> and so I didn't know how to deal with them other than getting rid of the threat, which was me. Yeah. So I landed myself in the ER for a second time <laughs> after becoming suicidal. And I, we call this a blackout in the mental health world. I don't remember any of this. Okay. But everything became a weapon. I started threatening, I guess, ways that I would kill myself and my mom and my husband drug me literally to the ER. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. 
there's an answer to that. <laughs> so how does the ER deal with that? Do they just do they keep you there until they feel like you're stable or do you get a bite? Right. Like what's what's up? <laughs> so I went in and um, they sedated me and so they put me to sleep for hours and I woke up and which was actually kind of nice because that was the first time I had slept yeah. in eight weeks. So this was eight weeks postpartum. Not only are you a postpartum mom, but you also aren't sleeping. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's totally fine. So please drug me and put me out right. for as long as you want to. I actually woke up and I was like, I'm a little refreshed right now after that episode. And the doctor came in and just said, I think it's in your best interest that you go stay in a mental health facility. You need to see a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. You need to be put on meds which was really hard for me as somebody who had never dealt with mental illness before to hear these things like what (laughs) right like you we we think that's for like the crazies like I think that's for people who yeah I don't even know what the answer to that is like people who have um like schizophrenia or something that they're dealing with oh yeah. yeah yeah so they sent me to and and he said you can either go voluntarily or involuntary so if you go voluntarily, you'll be able to check yourself out. If you go involuntarily, you'll have to have a court order to get out. So talk about feeling insane. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh. So I decided to go voluntarily. Um, and so I went, and I didn't end up staying there. So, small tangent. <laughs> the healthcare system doesn't know how to deal with postpartum depression. Okay. They just don't. Right. And so... And something that should tell you that is like the ER is the best option for you to go to when okay. you're feeling depressed, which shouldn't be that. You know, right. the ER it seems like, like a, that's why I asked what they do because it seems right. like an odd place. Like if I get stabbed with a knife, I'm going there, but right. it seems like an odd place to go if I have depression. Right. So, and it, it's depression when it's that, when it's you're suicidal or you're homicidal. They need it, it's not even to treat you; it's to keep you from doing either one of those right. things. Um, and so, so that's like the best option. And for me, that's a red flag. I'm like, we need to do something better and checking in on our moms more so that they don't have to go to the ER to get help. But when they sent me to the mental health hospital, they put me in a room for like four hours and it's literally what you see in the movies, like white walls in a chair and that's it. No way. Yes. And they strip you of everything and put you in a And that's supposed to make you more sane? Right. So that's supposed to make you feel better apparently. (laughs) So they take me in, my husband, my mom, and Ella are in the waiting room, and I'm in this room. They, they like, take my weight, my blood pressure, they take all of my stuff from me, and they put me in the room. Like, the door handles aren't even sticking out. They're flat because they don't want suicidal people to have anything that they could hurt themselves with. And so I'm, like, huddled up in this chair just sitting there, and nobody has come in. And finally, I, like, get up and peek my head out into the hallway, and I'm, like, can my husband come back here? Like, I've been alone for four hours. I'm just sitting here. Um, at this point, it's, like, 11 or 12 o'clock at night, and I haven't even been admitted, like, anywhere. Yeah. Um, and so they got James, and he came back, and he was like, okay, how are you doing? You know, what did they say? I'm like, they haven't said anything. I've been sitting here. And he was like, what? And so that really upset him. Um, and so then... He called a lady who had been counseling me that we go to church with, and he said, Anita, I don't know what to do, but I'm really feeling that Allie's not going to get better here. They're not here to treat her so much as keep her from hurting herself right. and get her on medicine. 
which is absolutely necessary in some situations but for me it was like I don't need to be away from my daughter for two weeks because I'm not bonding with her I need the opportunity to bond with her right and there were several things as a mom dealing with depression that you need that they do not accommodate right in the healthcare world so he uh, Anita said seek God's face and ask him what you need to do and so James started praying and he was like okay this is what we're gonna do and he made a plan Um, at that point I was already on antidepressants which we think may have contributed to the suicidality because I was overdosed on it interesting and so he was like we're gonna back you down off of those meds Ella's gonna go stay with my parents for five nights his parents live like 15 minutes from us so she was to go stay there for five nights so that way I could try and sleep during the night and there was a third thing oh I was gonna go to counseling so Mm -hmm. those were the three things that we brought to the mental health facility and they're like this is our action plan can you please release her and it it was really hard to get me out because they were like she really needs to be in Mm -hmm. but James really felt like I didn't need to be um, and at that point he was my brain (laughs) that was thinking for me because I couldn't think for myself clearly so I trusted him, and so that was what we did. We got me out, and we went home. So then, I'm sure, starts a whole new journey. Right. How does it look like to get better? Like, how does it, what does it even look like? How long, obviously everyone's different, but like, how long does it take to even start even feeling a, a pinch of hope that there's something on the other side of this that you can actually feel like a loving, caring, safe mother for your child? Okay. So for me, it was very different. I've done a lot of research on postpartum, so I can tell you what research says and I can tell you what some of my friends that have gone through it. Normally when your meds start kicking in, you'll feel a little bit more stabilized. Um, If you can really start speaking some truths into your life instead of believing the lies, that will help. Mm -hmm. The, The actual timeline of feeling better is so different for everybody and that it's such a hard answer to give because a lot of moms are like what can I do to get better and I'm like well you can do these things but I don't know how long it's going to take right right you might have to do them on faith for a while probably and just hope that something kicks in right and I've had a lot of moms that are like it took me nine months to really feel normal Mm -hmm. and back to myself although I felt a little better on the meds or I felt a little better doing this but feeling myself again it took that long for me the story is completely supernatural and different. So James James said, okay, this is our action plan. We're going home. And so the next day, we Ella was eight weeks postpartum. Okay. Or I was eight weeks postpartum. Ella was eight weeks old. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Not, whoa. Um, she was eight weeks old. And we, we went to pack her up and all of her stuff that goes with a newborn to go to his parents' house for five nights. And... Despite everything I was feeling for her, despite everything I had been through at that point and what I was feeling in myself, I was still completely distraught that I was unable to care for my child. Right. Because that was really crappy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I'm supposed to be the one that's safe. I'm supposed to be the one that loves her, and I don't. Mm -hmm. And that was really, really difficult for me. So we packed her up. And I was upset about it. (laughs) I was crying because I was like, who am I that I can't take care of my own child? Right. And I'm having to send her away. But we pack up and we go to my in-law's house and I'm just beside myself and just crying. And that had been my life for the past eight weeks was just uncontrollably all the time crying. 
for various reasons. And it just sounds exhausting. Like it just it just it's like okay, you have a newborn, so that's exhausting. Right. But like even when you can rest, you can't because your mind is and you know you're like, well, if I could just pack up and leave, like I could leave my family, like. James would be so much better off with a new wife that would love the baby. Somebody's right. going to be a better mom than me. They don't need me. I can just leave. Like, those are the constant thoughts going through my head. Wow. And so we get there. I'm distraught. My mother-in-law, Dona, was like, why don't you guys just go get in the hot tub? Because <laughs> they have a hot tub. And just try and relax. Like, let's try and, and calm down. Mm-hmm. And so we went out there. And again, I'm just crying. And James was like, I really want you to just be candid with me. Like, what in this moment are you feeling right now? And in that moment, I was in my brain thinking, just drown yourself. It just doesn't matter. It would be so easy, you know, all of that. Although my husband would have never let that happen because he was there. But, like, those are the thoughts that are just constant. And it's everything's a weapon and everything can kill you. And it sounds like, wow, relief. And Mm -hmm. that's when you know something's wrong. But I just told him, I was like, she stole our lives. I don't want her. I don't want this. I want it to just be us again. And then I said, and this was the turning point for me, I said, and I hadn't admitted this over the past eight weeks, but I was like, but none of that makes sense. (laughs) Right. Why do I not want these things when I always wanted these things? I've always wanted to be a mom. I've always wanted to have a family. Like, what, what is it? I just, I don't know what else to do. I've done the medicine, I've been to the ER, I've been to the mental hospital, I've done the counseling, I've done the everything you can do to try and get better and nothing's working. And I finally just got to the end of myself and said, if, if Jesus doesn't do something right now, I'm, I'm out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do this anymore. And so I just started calling out to the Lord in the hot tub and I'm just like, Jesus, 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 over and over again because I was like, you've, you've got to do something. Like here I am, I don't have anything else to give. I would rather just come home and be with you. I'm done. And James said later, uh, he felt like the Holy Spirit told him to take me inside and have his mom pray for me. And so he takes me inside and we're in their den, which is carpeted and I'm soaking wet in a swimsuit and I'm just in fetal position on the floor, just sobbing. And my Mm -hmm. mom's still there at the time. And Dona's there and James is there and Ella's there. And so James said, hey mom, will you pray for Allie? And Dona said, well, of course. And she she is just the prayer warrior. She's yeah, amazing. It's amazing. And so she hops in the floor, and she just lays hands on me and starts praying. And you could just feel the Holy Spirit come into the room. And during that, I just had this vision of me laying in Jesus' lap. Kind of think Jasmine from Aladdin when she's on the fountain, like, weeping. And <laughs> there. Like, I just had this image of me just, like, laying in Jesus' lap and just sobbing in him and and this was the first time I felt this and this time he said I see you and I'm not leaving you like this and for me that was huge because I'm like somebody sees me somebody understands you know like he understands because like I said I had never been mad by questioning why where are you why am I feeling this way and all of a sudden you see me and instantly instantly the depression left me Wow. and instantly the depression left me I'm still laying there crying and James and Dona at the same time I hadn't sat up and said anything they looked at each other and they said she was just healed and so they start praising God and I sit up and I'm like I'm I'm okay 
and they handed me Ella and it was like for the first time I felt love for her for the first time and like that's what I would imagine people feel when their baby's born and they hold them in their arms and they're like this is beautiful I love you so much that was the first time I felt that for her and since then I have genuinely been okay that's amazing I literally have chilled all the time like I said my story is weird and different but I cannot deny what God did for me and Mm -hmm. I can't I can't attribute it to anything else like it was him and that that was that and so since then the Lord was like you know we can either make this a really bad experience or we can turn it into something really good that's going to help a lot of people so I said I'll take the second option and so I started on this journey with him um, to create an organization that helps postpartum moms so that's where I'm at on my journey awesome that's incredible and you know as as people of faith ourselves to hear how God can come into play into someone's life, I experienced a similar thing, certainly not to that extent, <laughs> but but in our marriage, when our marriage was at like the lowest of lows point, mm-hmm. it took for me to get to the end of my own rope to actually like fully surrender myself right. to his will on our life, mm-hmm. and that was the turning point for right. us as well. Yeah. And I think, um, I think there's just a lot to be said for that and just like understanding that like at some point we have to release our own power in this right I've done everything I can right and it's not worked right there's nothing else (laughs) right exactly that's amazing so great so now we're getting to the point where we where you actually are in this podcast for right and that's the founding of PPD PPD journey is that correct yes so walk me through what is PPD journey what is your guys's mission with it what are you guys doing with it yes so like I said after I was healed I was I was genuinely okay now I was still on antidepressants which hadn't been working up until this point yeah um but it would have been really silly just from a scientific view to just cold turkey get off of them for sure so I didn't do that and so I weaned myself off of that. I was on them for about six more months on a really low dose and then just weaned off of them, which was really great. But during that time, like I was saying, the Lord was like, yo, <laughs> do you want to make this like... I like your Lord, how he talks. I know, like he really, yeah, you know, he's a <laughs> down-to-earth guy. Um, do you want to, you know, make something really bad, really good? Because that's what I'm in the business of doing. And I right. was like, okay, sure, like let's do it. Um, and so I sat down with my best friend, Lindsay, who's the LMFT, mm-hmm. and she was a huge, huge part of my journey because she walked so very closely to me during that and gave me just a lot of counsel. But I went to her and I was like, we've got to do something, you know, there's, how come I've never heard of this before? How come right. me being in the pit of it is the first time I'm hearing about this? And so we originally we're like well let's do a blog and then we were like oh well let's do a vlog and do some videos um and so that's where we started and my husband's in videography so he was on board and he was like well let's film them and so we sat down with myself Lindsay, and then i ended up getting three other moms who had dealt with postpartum depression and anxiety to come and tell their stories and we asked several questions and it's an eight episode series and it's on ppdjourney.com but the series is called shatter the silence because our mission is to shatter the silence right why are we not talking about this um around postpartum depression anxiety ocd ptsd all the things that i've come to learn about 
so that was our first start of it. And then my husband was like, well, once we film these videos, what are you, what are you going to do with them? And I was like, well, maybe, you know, just on YouTube, like if a mom can just like search it and it just be there, you know, they have something to listen to in mm-hmm. the middle of the night, whatever. Um, and he was like, oh, I just really feel like you need a website. And so I was like, okay, well, we'll make ppdjourney.com. And so I bought the domain, I put the videos on, and I was like, well, if you do that, you may as well have like a stats page. You may as well talk about the symptoms. So we did that. I was like, well, if you're going to do that, you may <laughs> as well have a blog and actually gather stories from women. And if you're going to do that, you may as well make social media accounts so that you right. can interact with the community and if you're gonna do that then you may as well open up yourself to podcasts and videos and speaking events and lunch and learns where you educate doctors offices on how to better care for their Mm -hmm. postpartum patients and that's where we're at we do all of those things now Um, and so it started with a very small dream of just like let me just tell my story because maybe that could help somebody into a full-blown organization that sheds light on these illnesses and we get message after message of moms that go on and read the stories of other women that come from all walks. We don't focus just on faith, although that is an aspect of it, but mm-hmm. we'll take anybody's story because I want I want it to reach anybody. Right. And they'll go on and read and they'll, you know, this person's story really helped me on my journey or this, you know, really spoke to me. So that's why we do it. So moms just don't feel so alone. If you Google perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, you're going to get the list of symptoms um, but not necessarily the stories of the people who've experienced right. them. Yes. And they look so different. Our organization highlights women who don't have a blog or don't have the resources to be able to tell their story on a, like a really big public platform. And for them, they find a lot of healing through that. So it, it helps our readers, but it also helps our writers who maybe are sharing their story for the right. first time and they feel like they have a place that's completely safe to do that. Now, like my story that I shared with you, it's hard and it's graphic and people who haven't gone through it are going what the crap because right how could you ever and I, I've told my story so many times now and like I still cried earlier but it's gotten easier and that's what I want for other women because that really is healing to be able to say in a safe place with people that you trust and not be like you're just insane a safe community that understands mm-hmm. is so healing I think that is so much of what I'm hoping to help bring to attention. And I think a lot of mothers are rising up right now, kind of in the same battle of like being the voice over motherhood. Right. Because somehow, and the more I think about it, the more it just blows my mind that I'm pretty sure there's no denying that mothers are like the most significant members of the world. Mm-hmm. Nobody would be here without us. Right. Let's think about that for a second. Exactly. <laughs> Plus, we're usually the ones raising the people. Right. Like, we're raising the next generation. We're, we are probably the number one determining factor of how the world ends up turning out. That's a really powerful thing. And yet, there's so much struggle within us that never gets publicized, never gets talked about. And so it creates this culture where when moms are actually going through it, they don't, they think there's something wrong with them. Right. Or they don't know if they're normal or if, or how to get through it or where to turn to for a resource. Because these are heavy things. These are dealing with, with our children. Right. 
there is the most no precious, heavy, yes, like, <laughs> the most precious yes. thing that you could ever imagine. I know I have felt this way. Um, I didn't deal with postpartum depression myself, but I have felt this way around miscarriage because we miscarried our first pregnancy. And I did not know straight up that miscarriage was more than a one day event until I had one right. and bled for weeks. And I was like, oh, oh. Yeah. So this is going to keep going then. Like, I'm continuing to lose my baby for two weeks and just, like, reminded of it every day. Right. I had no idea. I didn't know it was painful. I didn't know all these things. Nobody talks about it. The the time to learn about these topics that are so heavy, whether it be miscarriage or postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, or even just how hard motherhood is and how it's not just, like, this beautiful thing in the first three months. Right. Is not while you're going through it. Right. It's not while you're out of educate yourself before. Yes. But if nobody's talking and nobody's putting the information out there, there's no way for the mothers who are coming up behind us to know these things. Right. And it sets them up to go through the exact same thing mm-hmm. that is so debilitating to all of us. Right. So I think that's amazing that you guys have started this. What are your What are your long term goals with postpartum uh, with PPD journey? Yeah. Our, so. My long-term goal would be to see the entire healthcare system change in the Mm -hmm. way that it deals with postpartum moms. To start kind of chipping away on that goal, we've started doing lunch and learns Mm -hmm. um, where we go into doctor's offices. We we are going to talk to um, the Organization of Christian Counselors in Nashville in this coming February. We've talked to a pediatrician's office now and we plan on going into OBs, but we're going into all of these different avenues of people that could potentially come in contact or care for postpartum moms and being like, hey, these are the stats. What are we What are we doing to help that? What are we doing to help moms be seen? Um, something that was shocking for me was when we went to the pediatrician's office was they, the Edinburgh postpartum postpartum depression scale everybody yeah, has is to that take the test it. I take every yes. time I go in there <laughs> yep yes it is um the one that so, I could very easily lie on if I wanted to exactly um that's our only testing mm-hmm. that we have for postpartum depression only doesn't cover anxiety OCD PTSD all of that mm-hmm. but it came out in 1989 or 87 don't quote me on it's 87 or 89, mm-hmm. so it's not been around that long, and it's the only one we have. It's And it's missing so many right. people. It's, it just is. It's not worded very well. It's all the things. But I did ask the, the pediatrician's office. I said, so you have a mom come in. You have them take this. They score off the charts for PPD. They're suicidal. What do you do? They said, well, we don't know. We don't have anything in place. I'm like, well in a very nice way, you come in contact with the moms more than the OBs because you're, right. they're in here with their babies every couple weeks yep. for the first, you know, and, and we're missing them. And there are women that are, are this way and it's not being caught. So we've got to do better. We've got to do something better. And then also, too, that test, the office that we spoke to only screens up through four to six months postpartum. Suicidality in postpartum moms peaks between months 9 and 12. Interesting, really? Yes. And so we're missing that because they're stopping testing. They're stopping opening that door to see how their moms are doing. So long-term goal for PPD journey is to change that. 
this to change? How do we handle that? What is the protocol? Like if, if your thing is do no harm, then if a mom comes in and suicidal, you can't just let her leave. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to call the emergency. You've got to get an ambulance. You've got to do something. We've got to change this because moms are literally dying. Suicide is the second leading cause of death in postpartum moms. Wow. It just is. Yeah. And it's PPD related. It's postpartum anxiety related. So our goal is to change the healthcare system because right. these numbers are upsetting. That's crazy. So... So for the moms that are listening to this right now and feel like they've heard truths in this conversation and they feel like they can relate and that it resonates with them, what do you recommend that they do? Gosh. What's the, what's the first step to take <laughs> for them the to first find healing? Tell somebody if you haven't. Okay. Tell somebody that you trust. Um, for me... It was getting a good support system, and I'm, I was really fortunate in that my mother-in-law was a counselor, my best friend's mm-hmm. a counselor, my mentor is a counselor. I've had so many people who understood from a clinical level that there was something right. wrong with me. They're not like, oh, you're just sad. It'll get better. They were like, okay, like this is what we need to do to get you. You're, like, you're, you're mentally ill right now. It's, you're sick right? Mm -hmm. So let's fix it. And so getting a good support system that can understand that I felt like was key for me. Um, and it's people checking in on you and, you know, like, have you, how have you been sleeping? Have you eaten today? Um, have you brushed your teeth? I got that question a lot from Lindsay because it'd be like 3 p.m. and I'm like, no, I've done nothing for myself today. Right. Not even brushed my teeth. And she's like, you need to go do that. Yeah. So little things, uh, so getting the support system and then doing little things that can make you feel accomplished outside of your baby. So brushing your teeth, making your bed, maybe taking a shower, finding those little things that you can do for yourself is going to be key as well. And it gets easier as the baby gets older. In the beginning, it is really hard to right. find that. But those little things are just so important um, to start that journey of healing. Um, and then journaling was really big for me. Okay. So, And that was a recommendation from Lindsay. And she was like, I want you to write down the lies that you're hearing. And my lies were, you've made a mistake. I don't know why you thought you could do this. You're a bad mom. Your baby would be better off with somebody else. You'll never get the hang of this. You're not strong enough to do this. That's That was the soundtrack in my mind all day, every day. Mm-hmm. And so it was taking those and then writing the truth next to it and saying, it will get easier. You will sleep again. You will do these things. And it, it's for me, that was so powerful because it's like, even if it's not right now, you will get to that. Yeah. So journaling was really big. Um, And then also, if you are a person of faith, like the Bible says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to the Lord. And that was really big for me for it. You know, it's like the the world would be better off without you. It's like, well, no, it wouldn't. Uh, The Lord came to give me life and life abundantly. So I'm going to hang on to that. And that thought needs to go back where it came from. Right. You know, and so for me, it was getting in that spiritual battle of like, these are the lies, and I'm going to combat that with the truth. That's amazing. So That's amazing. And I just want to thank you, Allie, for coming on again today and, and t- speaking your truth and telling the truth of your story and what it was for you. And I hope it can 
I know it'll help a lot of mothers, and I hope it'll encourage other mothers to come out and tell their truth of their personal story as well. Yes. So thank you a ton. Is there anything else you want to add? Um, if you want to share your story, reach out on ppdjourney.com and message us, and we would be happy to have you. Um, and if you just need a good support system, I know a lot of people. So That's awesome. Feel That's free to awesome. reach out. And then my final question is always my final question when I get them all on here. Yeah. What has the journey of motherhood meant to you? Oh, my gosh. So I would love to finish this with this. I love my daughter so much. She is amazing. And um, motherhood for me has made me stronger and better. And it's taught me a lot about myself that I didn't know. Um, for one, how selfish I was before I had a baby with my time. <laughs> and now you don't have that luxury. And so she's, she's just made me more selfless, more self-aware mm-hmm. of what I need. Um, and she just adds so much joy to our lives. And so I, it's, it's just been amazing. That's and awesome. I just, I feel so lucky that I get to be her mom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because she really is amazing. That's awesome. Isn't that the best how we always feel like the one that we got? Like, yeah. we scored. I'm, yeah, I'm like, this one. <laughs> yes, she is mine. <laughs> I love her. That's amazing. How cool to take that full circle and see where you started in this journey and then where you are now. That's awesome. Yes. Well, thank you so much. And I so look forward to following along with PPD Journey and seeing everything you guys do. It's awesome. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you.